Welcome to the Living Parables Podcast, where we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through the sanctifying work of God's Holy Word. I am Nate, your host. To all listeners tuning in the show, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate all of you, and now let us begin. Well, I'd like to welcome you back to a special Good Friday episode. I pray that during this time of the year that our attention, focus, adoration is focused on Christ alone. So today we're going to be talking about a piece in the New Testament that is oftentimes overlooked, and that is the thief on the cross. This story can be found in Luke, the 23rd chapter. And before we go any farther, I just want to say to you all, have a very blessed resurrection weekend. And I truly mean that. With all the stuff that's going on in the world, let's just praise and honor and worship our Lord. It's, he's so wonderful. He's so powerful. And we're going to see here in just a few minutes the wonderful grace that is extended to all of us. So in Luke 23, verse 33, it says, When they came to the place called the Skull, or Golgotha, they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. Now, you don't hear too much at this point, at this moment. So, what's amazing is both of these robbers or thieves joined in on insulting Christ. So listen to two books here, Matthew 24, 40. So we're going to look at Matthew 27, 44 and Mark 15, 32. So the one in Matthew says the robbers who had been crucified with him were also insulting him with the same words. And in Mark 15, 32 it says, let this Christ, the King of Israel, now come down from that cross so that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him were also insulting him. So we see the thief on the cross. Both of them were hurling insults at Jesus. Now you have to understand, Jesus was crucified at roughly about nine in the morning. And he hung on the cross for six hours. And they were also crucified with him. Now, were they up there before him? After him? We don't know. But they were probably crucified with him at the exact same time. So here they are. They are nine o'clock in the morning. All this has taken place. And they're hurling insults at him. And then something that is unexplainable and glorious happened. 
Still being in Luke 23, let's look at verses 39 through 43, which says, One of the criminals who hang there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, and rebuking him, and saying, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Sometime during that six-hour period, something changed and was starting to change in this man. I mean, when you're looking death straight in the eye, I mean, that's going to do something to a man. But it either humbles you or hardens your heart even more to God. As you could tell from our text we just read, the other thief, not so much, wanted nothing to do with it. And so we today, with what we just read in Luke 23, we're going to look at some truths we can learn from this amazing story. And this is a real historical event, by the way. This is, this is powerful for us today. This is definitely something that we can use as a tool uh, and a resource to witness to people. And let's go to the, the first truth we can learn today, which is life is eternal. I do want to take you to Ecclesiastes, which, as you know, we, uh, we haven't been there too often. A long time ago we did. But Ecclesiastes 3.11, and here's what it says. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also set the eternity in their heart, yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. See, eternity is set in the heart. Every person on this planet knows that their time is limited. But they also know that eternity awaits them. And that's why people today, and even throughout history, have always come up to this question. Every person on this planet has come to this question. What is going to happen after I die? And we don't like to talk about death. But truly, this life is just but a mist or a vapor. Here one minute and gone the next. In James 4, 14, we read that. So what we do on this earth matters. And that will have a ripple effect into eternity. The question is, it's not about what do I do on this earth, it's who do I know? That's the biggest question. Truth number two. God is the judge. See, both thieves on the cross, by their sins, their earthly judgment has been completed and is now in the process of being carried out. But a more terrifying judgment awaits them. 
after death, and that is the judgment of God. And that is an appointment that no man can cancel and no one can escape. Well, there is one way, but we're going to get to that here in a minute. Here's a third truth. Jesus is sinless. See, when the thief on the cross said, this man has done nothing wrong, he was acknowledging Jesus' sinlessness. And that is one of the most important aspects of the gospel message, is that Jesus is God and that he is sinless. You have to believe that. And you can read throughout the New Testament all about his sinlessness. You can read 2 Corinthians 5.21, Hebrews 4.15, 1 Peter 2.22, 1 John 3.5. I would encourage you to read that. And the reason why it's so important that we know that Jesus is sinless because Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. So, What's amazing about that is Jesus, when he died, he had no penalty of sin to pay for. He didn't have any sin on him. Therefore, God treating Jesus as we deserve for our sins is the only way we can have forgiveness and justification. His sacrifice was enough and was sufficient. That's very powerful. Let's look at truth number four. The thief feared God, and so should we. We've read in the Old Testament, you've heard it in Proverbs, you've heard it in Psalm, but the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. The thief didn't need several years of preaching and teaching to understand that his death is imminent and that there is nothing he can do to earn salvation. And we know from our studies in Romans that there is no one who does good and all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's exactly why we need a Savior. That's exactly why we need a Savior. And in the beginning of this crucifixion, the thief had no idea. He had no idea that his Savior was just merely feet away. Powerful. Truth number five, the the thief recognized that he was sinful and deserved his punishment. See, this man... Had some time to think, didn't he? Yeah, a lot of time to think. And like I said before, your heart is either becoming softer to God or harder. He knew that death is just but merely hours away. So, what is he to do? He was definitely what Jesus spoke about in the Beatitudes about being poor in spirit. He knew that he was spiritually bankrupt and he acknowledged that he was sinful and deserves the wrath and judgment that was justly so. He became repentant for his sins and upon confessing his sins and Jesus as Lord, he found mercy. Now, did it say in Scripture here that he confessed Jesus as Lord? No, but... I bet I bet you that he did. I bet you that he did. And because of he found mercy. He didn't bring his good deeds. He didn't bring his self-righteousness. 
He didn't play the victim card and said, oh, you know, this is, I've had such a hard life and this is the reason why I'm, I'm this way and that's just the way that I am. He didn't do that at all. He came bearing it all and therefore, because he confessed those sins to Jesus, because he came to him in faith, we know the rest of the story. Truth number six, he acknowledged that Jesus is sovereign. He said, remember me, Lord, when you, when you go into your kingdom. Well, Jesus was beaten beyond human recognition. He wasn't coming down off that cross, and neither were they. So he knew, he knew, not perfectly, but he knew that Jesus is God. He knew Jesus had the authority to allow him into heaven or not. And we, it all goes back to my favorite verse. Really simple. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's right there. No one comes to the Father. I am the way. He said, I am the door. I am the gate. That's the only way. And that's still true today. Now I want you to listen to truth number seven, which is he was helpless. He was helpless. There was absolutely, absolutely nothing he could do. Nothing. Therefore, he cried out to Jesus. Now, I am going to take you to Romans chapter 5, 6 through 11. Listen to this. Listen to this. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Jesus died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone might dare to even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. This could be a podcast episode, but let's just make this quick. All of us are helpless. There's no good deed. There's no prayer. There is no act of our own righteousness that will Reconcile us back to God. Not one thing. But it says at the right time, that moment for that thief, Christ died for the ungodly. Was he ungodly? Oh, absolutely. But you know what? So were we. So were we. And just because we become a born-again believer doesn't mean that 
now all of a sudden that uh, we will never sin ever again and that we're above the ungodly. That's what we do sometimes. We have this mindset that we think we're better than other people. Yet we should sympathize and empathize with those people. I was ungodly too. And he saved me. I'm justified by his blood. And now I'm reconciled through his sacrifice with God. We're made friendly again. That's powerful. Truth number eight, which is the final one. He was shown grace and mercy from Jesus Christ. In verse 43, when Jesus said, Today you you shall be with me in paradise. Not 2,000 years from now. Today you shall be with me in paradise. This is a great, great truth in multiple ways. Number one, when we die, we are going to be immediately in the presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're not going to be in some holding tank, but we're going to be with him in paradise. But he was shown grace. He was shown grace. And that's what this faith is all about. It's all of grace. It's nothing that we do to deserve it. It's nothing that we earn. It's all of him. Listen to these two verses about Jesus. Matthew 1, 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 1 Timothy 1.15 It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Or, in other words, I am the worst of all. This is why Jesus came. Ladies and gentlemen, this man on the cross, the thief, That's why Jesus came. That moment. That's the reason why. The Pharisees who are hurling insults at him, snickering, sneering, told you he's not the son of God. If you're you're really the son of God, come on down. Show me. They had no faith. They had won, seemingly. But it was for that moment and that purpose And you don't think that brought joy to Jesus' heart, which was failing at that moment? Absolutely. This is one of the clearest views of true Christianity that I can think of. A desperate sinner on the brink of death, on his way to judgment, wrath, and hell, turns to Christ to escape it all. Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Now, we're going to look at some, a little deeper facts about this, then we're going to close. This man had no understanding of the doctrines of grace, justification, predestination, go on down the list. He didn't attend Bible studies. He didn't listen to hour-long worth of sermons and biblical teachings. He, didn't, he wasn't baptized. He didn't take communion. I mean, it, it's, it's, it was of grace. And this is, what, this is why grace makes life not fair. 
what grace does is it welcomes the most vile of criminals through faith in Christ into heaven and would send the most philanthropic person to hell. Jesus is the only way. He's the only way. John 1.14 And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We saw His glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth are only found in Christ. God gives grace to those who are undeserving. Titus 2.11 For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, even this one, even me. Grace is not for the worthy or the self-righteous, but for the sinner. Jesus came to save sinners, to heal the spiritual sick, and to give life to those who are dead spiritually. Now we're going to look at some quick parallels here, and then we'll be, we're going to close. John 5.24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus talking, He who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come to judgment, but passed out of life into death. So what you have here is an image of Jesus on the cross, one man on the right, one man on the left. I want you to get that image there because this next parable is going to blow your mind. The parable of the sheep and goats in Matthew 25, 31 through 36. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another. Here it is. As the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, he will put the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. And the king will say to those on the right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you for the foundation of the world. Now, we don't know if the thief on the cross was on his right but it would be absolutely fitting if you were, wouldn't it? The parable is talking about the judgment that's to come, and those who are in Christ, the sheep, are protected from judgment. Since there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and those who are without Christ, the goats, they they are continuing to store up wrath for themselves, and they're still in judgment. That's the symbolism I want you to see. And you can read these on your own. The wheat and the tares. Those be separated. And the end. The two gates in Matthew. So I would encourage you to read Matthew 7. 13 through the end of the chapter. But we have, and we went over these before. You have two gates, two paths, two trees, two foundations. One the narrow gate, the sheep, the wheat, the good tree, the foundation on the rock, those are all who in Christ Jesus. And the goats, the tares, the broad gate, 
the broad path, the smooth path, the bad tree, or the foundation of sand. Those are the ones who are still in judgment and wrath. So as we conclude, let me ask you this question. Are you a sheep or a goat? Wheat or a tear? Are you on the narrow gate path or the broad, smooth path in the gate? Which one are you on? Which tree are you? Good, bad? Which one? What foundation are you on? The rock or the sand? And lastly, which side of the cross are you on? But for this thief, because we don't know his name, and we still call him a thief to this day, he's no longer a thief. He's no longer a thief. Why? Because he has been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. He is wrapped in robes of righteousness, Christ's righteousness, and 2 Corinthians 5.21 is that much more powerful. He made him, God made Jesus, who knew no sin. Jesus was sinless. So God made him, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, on his behalf, on your behalf, my behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's salvation. We don't earn it. He paid it all. He paid the debt. That man crossed over from death to life and he was rescued from the domain of darkness and damnation and transferred to the kingdom of Jesus Christ, God's beloved son through faith. Which side of the cross are you on? With that being said, I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. And remember, everything is in Christ, with Christ, and for Christ. Until next time, God bless you all.